1: New week of the call up here. It is April 24th, a Monday. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we're going to take a break from the top 100 breakdowns for one day just to kind of do some house cleaning. There's a lot going on in minor league baseball. We've got promotions, we've got standout performances, we've got debuts, we've got a lot of housekeeping here. So, we're going to get back to the top 100 breakdowns, 15 by 15 by 15, we're at the home stretch there as well. Uh, so you can look forward to that on tomorrow's episode. But we felt like the season was passing us by with all that is going on across every level and us just neck deep in these top 100 breakdowns so very excited to talk about everything from jackson holiday and andrew rabbit getting promoted a ton of really exciting starting pitching performances at all different levels we'll we'll lay out as many of those in rapid fire as we can heat sheet of hitters and then a couple big league debuts and also just recent strong big league
2: performances from prospects jack we got a lot We've got a lot. And I think that you put it best in the wise words of Matthew Broderick, who was playing the role of Ferris Bueller. In Ferris Bueller's day off, he said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. And we were doing a lot of top 100 stuff. But you know what? There's a lot of minor league ball going on, man. And you got to stop and look at the first month of minor league ball, first three weeks of minor league ball, because there have been some really notable names that are hitting 350 with like an 1100 OPS. And we got to acknowledge those guys and give them their flowers. And, you know, obviously things are going to deviate within the top 100. A lot of these guys are going to slide up and down. You might as well talk about it in real time. And and this is what we love, right? Like we like talking about the rankings and everything in the off season, but we eat when baseball's being played. Absolutely.
1: And so something that people may notice is you talked about, kind of deviations and statistics and, and things that we've kind of noticed in the early going, you'll notice it's pitching heavy through the first couple of weeks because you have to think of this almost as extended spring training. And by that, I mean, when, when we are looking at spring training, it's easier to have major takeaways from pitching prospects. And the only major takeaways you're going to have from hitting prospects is maybe new max exit velocities, general batted ball data, Zach Neto, for example, Uh, we were able to catch on that he was putting up more one Oh fives and one Oh sixes and one Oh sevens in a short spring training stint. than he did rape almost all of last year. So that's an example, but for the most part in the early going here, we don't want to take any crazy small sample size, you know, takeaways on the offensive side, because a good series against a bad staff, can really inflate that. Also, it's just, it's really hard with pitching. We have data, we have, you know, pitch shapes, we have velocity. And if there's a tangible change there, that's worth speaking to. And that's why we're going to talk a little bit more about pitching. And so probably the second week of may at yeah. that point, then I feel confident in zone contact numbers, normalizing 90th percentile exit velocity is normalizing and just general batted ball data and statistics, normalizing when you see uh you know Frank Mazzucato up a tick velocity wise of the Royal system and induced vertical break who we'll talk about of 21 22 inches on his fastball I don't need more of a sample obviously I need to see him do that longer to you know regard him as a top 100 prospect but that's already enough of a talking point where it's like, oh that looks really good that data's legit. Let's see if it continues. So that's why we're going to be a little bit pitching heavy, but we are still going to talk about a lot of the different hitters. We're also going to talk about 2023 Bowman baseball, which comes out on Wednesday and some of the really exciting prospects who have their first autographs in that.
2: Yes, we are Josue de Paula, right? Um, Mm -hmm. No, but I mean, I, I I do like giving flowers to the guys that have started really hot at the plate, because you mentioned it it leans pitching as it as an extended spring, like hitting always catches up that that's, what you hear in pretty much every league pitching reign supreme hitting catches up so the guys that buck that trend at the plate i think are really impressive so we'll talk about those impressive guys there is one big league situation that's bleeding down to the minor leagues so we will talk about a cold start at the plate but that's a a total exception
1: absolutely so you want to start with the uh the pitchers some of the yeah let's start with the pitchers so so there's a few guys that i kind of gave you the uh the, the topics of I'm like, you need to watch these guys because I was floored and I want to start. I mentioned Mazzucato. We'll get to him. I actually want to start with Royber Salinas Royber because I, the story is interesting. The, the pitching stuff stuff is insane. Um, and Salinas is somebody that I think is going to rise very, very quickly. Oakland A's prospect acquired in the, I always confuse the packages of Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. This would have been in the Matt Olson. No, Sean Murphy deal, Sean Murphy deal. Correct. So he was part of the deal that included a Ruiz, Kyle Moeller himself and Freddie Tarnock, which we were talking about it. That was a return that a lot of people were hard on. I think even us a little bit, I think we were honestly some of the nicer on it. And the more time I've had to digest, it, it, it really looks like a pretty decent deal. If Tarnock did not go down, This year, that's a guy that probably would have been in their big league rotation. Looks like a number four, number five type, at least uh, at the very least, a very solid swingman bullpen arm. But there's a legitimate chance that Roy Bersalinas, aside from Mr. Ruiz, because it's easier to accumulate war as a speedy center fielder. Roy Bersalinas could be one of the most, if not the most valuable piece in this deal. Um, That is something that I think people were overlooking when we saw the package. I think that the Oakland A's who tend to do pretty well on these kinds of moves every once in a while. They whiff like every team. I think they identified Salinas as a fringe top 100 guy when they got him in the package. And just because he isn't a top 100 guy yet doesn't mean that it's a bad return. I think we got to give Oakland credit here. They identified somebody that, you know, they knew they were probably going to get a little bit blow, of blow back on because he doesn't appear on any lists. They don't give a shit about lists. They saw Salinas here, a guy with a plus plus fastball, a nasty breaking ball, and who's just 22 years old and all of a sudden it looks like Salinas could be the best pitching prospect in their system,
2: not named Mason Miller. Well, and the jump that Salinas made, you know, the early goings, he's only thrown 13 and a third across four starts is in the command department. Right. He's punched out 24 and 13 and a third students walk two guys in 13 <laughs> you know. and a third, like 49 A.B.s against him two free passes issued. So, I mean, yes, you look at the ERA. The ERA is good. A 270 has a lot of homer and four runs, whatever. I'm looking at opponents hitting a buck 84 against him, which is on par with what they did last year. But I'm looking at the whip numbers too. 109 innings a year ago, 73 hits allowed, but 63 walks issued. Yeah. So then you take that and through your first four starts, you go 13 and a third and you walk two. That's really impressive. This is a big, big dude. Yeah. He's he gets all of his weight on his back leg and drives. Like he is more, you know, you hear the term drop and drive a lot, but like you can actually see it with this guy. It's there's a lot of weight sitting here then he shoots his body towards home plate. And that's why he can get up to 99. He, he's an interesting cat to watch pitch to say the least. 6'2",
1: 281 is the listed weight, and actually, to just be that annoying guy that corrects you, he hit a hundred uh, last start. There so you go. He was up to ninety-nine prior, hit hundred last start, so that shows you. I mean, this guy just turned twenty-two. Um, yeah, I, I like the 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 burly, like heavy kind of pitcher that has the, has the kind of you know arm that he has could probably benefit from getting into a little bit better pitching shape you wonder if that would help him you know even more in the velocity department but how much more help does he need there no he's, i mean think about dude i think about a young sabathia right like yeah. a, a young cc CeCe- he's athletic he's athletic though that's 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 the most important thing cc was athletic um to your point and also yeah not a lot of innings right we're talking about four appearances they've eased him into it he went two innings in his first outing two and a third in his second four in his third and then five in the last outing most importantly His velocity has ticked up in every single outing. His fastball velocity averaged the highest at 97 miles an hour in that five inning outing. So it's not a matter of can he be stretched out. He's been stretched out. I think they were just taking their time and easing him into the season. He just went five innings, one hit, one run, two walks, 10 Ks, 74 pitches, 47 strikes with that fastball averaging 97, touching 100 in his last outing. Um, Salinas looks legit. Fastball life is great. Velocity is great. He throws this cutter as well that I think has been a big, you talked about the command Jack. I think that's been big for him instead of going to the curveball more frequently as like an out pitch or a swing and miss pitch, which he's still struggling to command. He's thrown 21 this year uh, and only 11 have been for strikes. The cutter has been an out pitch and a weak contact inducer that he has more confidence with. He's thrown 50 of them, 33 for strikes. So I think this cutter has helped the command. It's also helped the overarching stuff. It's in the upper eighties. He still has the curveball. He has a change up. Um, he's got to find the command of those two pitches a little bit more, but the fastball, the cutter and the curve is a three pitch mix that I think can make him a problem. And he's striking out guys at a really good clip at 22 years old, already a young 22. I think he turned 22 14 days ago and he's already having success in double a uh, look out for Salinas, if he can find the command of the curveball, I think he's going to be a problem.
2: Yeah. And he's really only had one outlier when it comes to the pitch count running up two innings, 29 pitches, his season debut, two and a third, 42 pitches, four innings, 54 pitches, five innings, 74 pitches. So this guy has thrown 199 pitches, 129 of which for strikes. Yep. That's a great rhythm to get into. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we got another guy.
1: On the Royals side, and man, wouldn't it be nice for the Royals to develop somebody here? For the Royals to have a pitching prospect pan out, uh, this might be the best chance for the Kansas City Royals. It's Frank Mazacato, who is off to a fantastic start this season. Lefty, he was drafted. What was it overall? I don't have it off the top of my head. Late was first seventh. Round? Oh, oh yeah. Underslot early pick seventh overall in 2021. And man, he looks really good. Velocity's ticked up. Command looks really solid. He's still sitting in the low 90s, but the shape is elite. Like it's 22 inches of induced vertical break, which is off the charts. So even if he's operating 91, 93, he'll have that Nestor Cortez type of just ride and, and swing and miss in the zone that defies what you're used to in the velocity. But the thing is he's six with, with plenty of room to add strength in his frame. I think he's going to tap into more velocity as he matures. He's still 19 last outing. He's had two straight outings against Fayetteville. And let me just combine these two outings against Fayetteville, uh, which were back to back 10 innings. He gave up one earned run five walks 19 Ks, four hits. Um that's spectacular. Fastball average 91 miles an hour, but we talk about the life there and then the curveball, dude. The curveball is insane. It's nasty at 81, sharper than you'd expect. Tons of downward, you know, vertical break. And then a good changeup that he's starting to get a decent feel for to mix in as a third pitch, which works well off of that riding fastball. It needs a little bit more separation. It's only about four or five miles an hour apart. But man, this guy has been as good as you could ask for through the start of you know this this next season for him at 19 years old at low A.
2: So in 15 innings, he's faced, I think, 58 guys. Yeah, he's faced 58 guys. He's a lot of five hits. 58 guys. Come on, man. And, you know, you you can talk about a 102 opponent batting average, sure. But when you say lefty, high spin fastball plays up beautifully in the zone, great vertical drop curve off of that, tons of outs in the air, who do you think of? Like, totally different physique, like Mazzucato is still trying to fill out. This is the Julio Arias experience. Yeah. Is it not? Like, that's what Julio does. Like, that's why he's a Cy Young candidate every year, because... He can live at the top of the zone with an underwhelming velocity wise fastball that spins like crazy. And then he drops a 12 6 hammer off of that. Yep. That's kind of yep. what Mazzucato is doing right now. 100%. What's crazy too is like
1: it puts in context how insane Arias is. Mazzucato were like, oh, he's only 19 and low A. Arias was debuting at the big leagues at 19, yeah. which is so stupid. But to, to your point, it's, it's that starter kit of the riding fastball, the curveball that tunnels off of it. And One of the things that I think has become as predictable as anything in professional baseball is uptick in velocity. Uh, Mazzucato is going to see an uptick. It's a pretty low effort delivery. It's smooth. And and if he ticks up to 93, 95, which I really think he will eventually, at the the very least, he'll tick up to 92, 94. He's going to be one of the better left-handed pitching prospects in the game. I really think he's going to get to that point. So really wanted to highlight Mazzucato because Salinas and Mazzucato if you, the dynasty folks out there like those are two guys I'm identifying in deep leagues because I'm expecting them to be top 100 candidates by the mid-season update definitely by the end of the season
2: I know you're a Ben Kuderna guy too um <laughs> are you team Mazzucato or team Kuderna? because I I know that the industry's kind of split on those two uh I I think Mazzucato's
1: got a lot more going for him uh okay. and just in terms of the fastball is again if when you have a fastball like that I feel a lot better about your floor um and, and your chance to achieve your ceiling um so both of those and then the curveball is just that, that that's a 70 pitch it really is and he's commanding it he's landing the curveball for a strike 70% of the time um that's shocking with how much it breaks so i i really like where mazakato is at cool couple other arms we want to highlight um Tanner Bybee has been great. Uh, That's somebody that I know you're going to get a look at. So I'm excited to follow up on Tanner Bybee very soon. uh, And also a guy that we should be getting on the show in the coming week or so. Uh, We'll let you know, keep you posted on that. Definitely at some point uh, by mid-May, we will have Bybee on here. uh, Unless he gets called up, which would be a great problem. Uh, Then we might have to wait a little bit longer. But Gavin Williams, uh, another really good start. Honestly, the lights out start on the twentieth uh, against Harrisburg, where he went, and this is a double A for the Guardians. Five innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, eight Ks. He had, it, to to his standards, not as great of a start, which was still really solid start against uh, Bowie, where he went five innings, four hits, one run, one walk, only three Ks in his second start of the year, and then the first start of the year against Erie, four and a third, nine Ks, two hits no runs, one walk. So he's walked three batters in 14 and a thirds innings. He's punched out 20. That's kind of what we've become used to with Gavin Williams, who was once a stuff over command guy. It's very clear that he is the best of both worlds. Now fastball is sitting 97. And what stands out the most to me is another guy. This is what happens with a lot of these guys. You probably see it firsthand in Indy Jack. They need a few starts to get their velocity. Uh, They need a few starts to kind of get to that peak velocity that they're, they're used to settling into Gavin Williams, fastball, first start 96 and a half miles an hour, second start, 96 miles an hour, third start 97.7 miles per hour. Um, The third start was his most dominant and also not a coincidence. His fastball velocity was all the way there averaging 98, touching 99 several times. Uh, Gavin Williams looks like he's settling into form wouldn't be surprised to see him with the guardians at some point this year.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking uh, sooner rather than later, right? When you get the Espino news that, that he's going to another doctor to get the shoulder checked out and, and with, you know, a couple of guys going down like Logan Allen just made his debut. I think I have more confidence in Gavin Williams getting outs after the all star break than I do Logan Allen at the major yeah. league yeah. level. If Williams continues to progress the way he is and you know, like with McKenzie being out through the first month of the year, we're seeing a lot of innings go to Hunter Gaddis and Xavier Curry and, and Peyton Battenfield. And I, I like Curry and Battenfield a good bit. I do kind of like Gaddis, um, and I like Logan Allen, but like Gavin Williams is the trump card for that. Like he is just better than all those guys. Yep. And I think that he is showing that he's better than all those guys. You take a gander at Gavin Williams career minor league numbers. <laughs> like this guy, I mean, look, Last year he was nuts at every level. This year he's got a 0.63 in 14 in the third innings. Um, Gavin Williams in 28 starts has a 181 ERA through 129 innings.
1: I was it's Grayson Rodriguez-esque. Um, obviously it's utter domination, college, but it's it's like that. It's where it's just every level is utter domination, like you said. Um and, and it's because of a fastball that jumps, high end zone with crazy chase rates gets on you quick because this dude's 6'6", and commands it. That's what stands out the most. He commands the heck out of that fastball. The slider has become a pitch that he has as much confidence in as he does his fastball. Commands the heck out of that. Those are two plus-plus pitches, or at least plus pitches, that he's got rolling for him. Now, what's, I think, separating Williams from dominating the minor leagues and dominating the big leagues is that third pitch. He's got two that he's trying to find. He's got a curveball. He's got a changeup both of which he has not thrown first strike, small sample size, but has not thrown first strike as much as he'd like to this year. He's able to dominate hitters with fastball slider. We've seen guys at the big league level dominate with fastball slider, but I would love to see him, you know, make some strides with that curveball. Um, you know, I think that pitch is ahead of his change up a little bit, um, but it is worth noting. He struggled with slider command last year. He landed it for a strike less than 60% of the time. Uh, and now, and it was still really good because it's a big whiff pitch, 20% swinging strike rate, but now he's landing it for a strike as much of the fa- as, as the fastball, both at a 71% clip. That's, to me, 270 pitches there. If he even has the curveball or changeup emerge as an average third offering, he, he could be a really, really good front line type guy, like a number two type guy. Um, but I think he could ride the fastball slider with that command that he's shown in the early going to being a middle rotation type arm. When do you think he's
2: done in Akron? Like, I think this guy, he shouldn't make another start there. I really don't. So I think one more start. I think one more start and he's gone. Yeah, I think so too. And then I think
1: it it might be a org log jam, you know, Columbus better than I do in terms of the roster. They've got Bybee there. They did just call up Allen. So what's the roster situation in Columbus? Because I think that might be the biggest reason why we don't see Gavin and triple rather than like him not being ready, so to speak.
2: Starters that are active in Columbus right now, Tanner Bybee, Hunter Gaddis, Daniel Norris, Connor Pilkington, Adam Scott, Tuki Tucson. Yeah, so they've got some guys that they're kind of waiting to figure it out with, right? Like, yeah, but
1: like, is Adam Scott blocking Gavin? You know what I mean? No, no, but I, I think... You want to see Tukey for another start, see what the deal is. Like, there's no reason to rush another decision just because, oh, we got to get Gavin Williams up there. Like, right? you could justifiably have him make another start or two and double, which gives you another start or two to get some more clarity on those fringy quadruple A type guys that are still valuable. Like, you're trying to get through 162. You don't want to just cut ties with Tukey because you're in a rush to call somebody up. So, I think they're going to kind of wait maybe one or two more starts, but Gavin's ready. Gavin's ready. And that triple A rotation is going to be fun as hell with Tanner yeah. Bybee and Gavin Williams.
2: A hundred percent. Also, when did, when did Zach Collins drop out of the prospect world? Cause through 21 games, he's hitting three seventy. What a yeah, weird. Yeah, dude, he's had enough. <laughs> never, never. Yeah. He's, he's gotta, he's gotta do it at the big league level. Hey, um, he, I don't think he will. Like I've I seen don't. him get DFA'd with options remaining like that. That's the guy we're talking about. Unfortunately, like, watch
1: him come up in Miami. He was a force. At yeah, least. I'm sure. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, those times have changed a little bit. <laughs> Any other arms we want to hit on before we get to uh, the the position player offensive side of things? Is there anyone else I floated to you that I wanted to talk about that we might not be? Yes. Ben Brown. Oh, yeah. How could I forget about Ben Brown of the Chicago Cubs? Ben Brown is here, man. He's here, and I I think he's going to assert himself. Kate Horton's going to have a strong case because Kate Horton looks good too. Their first rounder last year. Ben Brown might be the best pitching prospect in this system. Uh, That simple. His stuff is off the charts. Fastball is a seventy pitch, Um, and then he's made strides with both breaking balls. He's they were blending together. Which was the problem because they're both at the same velocity, mid to upper eighties. He's got the slider and the curveball. But now the curveball is more got more of the downward break, and the slider's got more horizontal break. So you're seeing different shapes. He's using the the curveball to lefties more, he's using the slider to righties, but both work against both-handed hitters. And now commanding the fastball better, Ben Brown looks ready to, you know, kind of fly through the minors and potentially help the Chicago Cubs team this year. Fastball is sitting in the upper 90s with anywhere from 18 to 20 inches of induced vertical break. I think he's mixed in a few 20 and a half to 21 inch induced vertical break fastballs, which is awesome because he's touching 98. Um, You know, the command's got to get a little bit more consistent, but I think it's been pretty good overall. He's striking out 41% of batters he's faced. He's walked 11% of batters, but the fastball and two breaking ball combination and the change up that, you know, whole, whole mix in here and there, which he's actually thrown for a strike 11 of the 14 times he's went to it this year. Brown's starting to shed some of that reliever risk, Jack.
2: Yeah, big time. Um, no, man, I mean, like, I think Carter Hawkins and Jed Hoyer are doing as good of a job as as you'll find in Major League Baseball right now, because this was wasn't it a one for one flip for David Robertson. Yeah, that like was one a for classic one classic
1: Dombrowski move. Obviously, Robertson got them to the World Series. He was a big part of that. For sure. I know Phillies fans can't be thrilled about training Ben Brown, Ben Brown could be helping them this year.
2: For sure. Um, no, but I mean, Ben Brown, man, like he's he's a huge guy that that throws like a huge guy. And those yeah. are my favorites. <laughs> like, I, I love big dudes that throw like big dudes. And I think that the best example of that is probably Tyler Glass now. Yeah, and like Ben Brown is again. If you were to have like a, a Glassnow starter kid, it kind of feels like that guy.
1: The similar arsenal. What Glassnow really hit that next level when he had the two breaking balls that he differentiated a bit more, rather than trying to find this changeup that you know wasn't totally going to be there. The crazy thing is Brown is starting to show a little bit of a feel for the changeup. You go through each start this year, less and less walks. So it's just going even from the the start at Birmingham, he goes four innings, no hits, no runs. Four walks, 6Ks, still a really good outing. Next start against Montgomery, five innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, 7Ks. Last start against double-A Chattanooga for the Reds, six innings, four hits, one run on a solo homer, no walks, 9Ks. So command has gotten better and better, and he's going deeper and deeper. We're seeing teams do the same approach, stretching them out, you know, as each start goes in, but stretching them out while also walking less, That'll play. And that's exactly what Ben Brown is doing here. Um, a candidate to get promoted to AAA very soon. And I think a candidate to help this big league team when they need some starting pitching help again, sh- I think really shaking that reliever risk that has been put on him. You talk about big dude, 6'6, 225 pounds. He's 23 years old. Um, big name to watch. I-, I think he could be a really, really fun arm uh, that has, Monstrous upside outside of every top one hundred list right now.
2: One hundred percent, man, and I mean, like, you're looking at four confirmed starters for the most part with with the big club right now. Strowman's been great, Steele's been great, Drew Drew Smiley was kind of perfect. Like, we didn't oh talk about Smiley. Uh, I mean, dude, like, personally, I would have been kind of upset if Smiley was the one to do it um because like the last one was Felix Hernandez you know what I mean <laughs> if the last one was Philip Umber or Dallas Braden I would have been okay with Smiley doing it but like it's Felix like give me a top 10 pitcher in the game like I agree. the next perfect
1: I agree and I think so, that's why Jan Gomes intervened there as the ball dribbled down the third baseline um, I think
2: so that's justice for King Felix but no it's Stroman great Steele great Smiley not relinquishing his spot it seems right now and then hayden Wisneski struggled but is bouncing back a little bit yep. uh kyle hendricks has a shoulder strain tyone's got a groin strain but after that man i mean you're looking at javier assad adrian sampson caleb killian assad was really struggling i don't think killian is like making his case for a full-time guy there might be a spot in this rotation pretty soon and ben brown should at least be getting looks in that regard
1: no doubt. And, and I, I think he's got to do it in triple tighter strike zone, start to show it there. And and there's going to be something to, to see and, and to consider calling him up there as this is a big year for, for progress for the Cubs too. I know they're, they're focused on competing, uh, but it's, it, it's a big year to, to kind of see what you got. And I think going into 2024, it would be nice to at least have a few starts from Ben Brown at the big league level under his belt. And I think he's doing everything in his power to, you know, expedite that timeline. Speaking of a guy, who is expediting sure. his timeline? And the last pitcher that we're going to mention here, Andrew Abbott just got promoted to AAA. Um, <laughs> full disclosure was you know, planning on on interviewing him today on his off day for the call up, uh, but Abbott, great news, gets promoted to AAA. So great reason to potentially reschedule. We'll figure it out. But you have Abbott to look forward to. We're going to make that happen soon. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Andrew Abbott for this reason. His stuff is exponentially different. I know it's early, but I think we have enough of a sample size here to compare. I have a 900 and almost thousand pitch sample from last year. Fastball wise, his average induced vertical break was 17 inches and the fastball velocity averaged 92.3. So far this season, fastball velocity is averaged 93 miles an hour. Average induced vertical break is almost 21 inches. Spin rate is up almost 200 RPMs. So this guy is basically getting another four inches of ride on his fastball with a full uptick in velocity as well. You don't you see an uptick in in, in velocity? You don't see four inches of induced vertical break added. Mm-hmm. So this guy added velocity and added shape. It's not a coincidence that Andrew Abbott has been making a mockery of the competition so far in double a for the reds
2: i'm I'm so curious as to like how he facilitated this change i can't wait yeah because like i i want to ask how and, and like a lot of pitchers have made changes in their careers you know what i mean like a lot of pitchers have, have tweaked their arsenal all that stuff but when it comes to fastball shape I thought that was just kind of something that like you live with. You, yeah, you exist, it's just, you're right? kind of
1: you're kind of born with it.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I, I it's want hard to, to change. know it's it's hard to change. I want to know how the change was this drastic mm-hmm. in one offseason. Mm-hmm. And
1: then so, how about this? He had adds two inches of horizontal break on his slider. Now it's really more of that true sweeper up to 18 inches of horizontal movement, averaging around 16 inches. A horizontal break there. Um, and then also the change up has been money landing the slider first strike 71% of the time, landing the fastball first strike 72% of the time. The command has been unbelievable as well. This is the best K to BB rate I've seen through the first three starts of a season. 64% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. That's 61% K minus BB rate. That's Beyond off the charts, that's comical. That's a joke. I can't wait to talk to this guy. Congratulations to him on his promotion to AAA. This dude might be the best pitching prospect. He is the best pitching prospect in the red system now.
2: Um. Yeah. He's better right? than Chase Petty now. I love Chase Petty. He's better than Chase Petty. He's better than Chase Petty. And I mean, Williamson certainly hasn't helped. Connor
1: Phillips. I love Connor Phillips. He's better than Connor Phillips.
2: Yeah. Red it's system. crazy what a couple starts can do. But, but again, this is... This is the benefit of having data.
1: Yeah, this is, I I would not make this kind of, he was right there already. I would not make this kind of, you know, bold assumption off of three statistical starts in terms of like, oh, he struck out a lot of guys in three starts. The shape is so vastly different. You watch these starts, hitters look absolutely lost up there. And there's a reason why the Reds are promoting him to AAA. This guy found something
2: yeah 100 man like i hope i see him in louisville i'm not sure if i'll see him in louisville because they need Louis rotation Cessa, help he Louis might be still in the rotation i know he might be up there sooner
1: rather than later let's talk hitters real quick you got the heat sheet together who you want to hit on first
2: yeah let's start with uh i we can start with ronnie mauricio if you want so mauricio like we already talked about in the top 100 he was number 100 21 games entering uh, Monday's off day. He's hitting 350, 14 extra bases or extra base hits, 16 driven in a 1083 OPS. Uh, He's second in minor league baseball in total bases, only behind Joe Adele of the Salt Lake Bees. (laughs) Um, So Joe Adele, Ronnie Mauricio, deep cuts. But like this Mauricio thing isn't going away, man. It's kind of crazy. He's hitting the ball, man.
1: Really hard. (laughs) Really, really hard. The number one thing I'm looking at is swing rate. (laughs) it's high. Um, It's not as high. So that is the good news. He's swinging at about a 48% clip this year. Last year was at about a 55% clip. I want him to swing less and less. He is not missing fastballs. He's got almost a 97% zone contact against fastballs. So he's pummeling them. That's why he's also swinging a lot because he's making a lot of contact. So he's got a lot of confidence there. If he can just keep the swing rate down, which we keep talking about, he could be in really good shape. The chase rate is down a few percent. It's worth noting. He's hitting the living crap out of the ball and he's making as much contact as ever. I don't think he's gonna hit 350 all year, but this guy is is definitely showing that he is a little different than the Ronnie Mauricio that had frustrated us over the last couple years. And look, he's not slowing down really. You mentioned the yeah, three so hits, I... three hits on Saturday, another hit on on Sunday. Yeah. Um and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's hitting the heart.
2: So I I appreciated a note that our managing editor at JustBaseball.com, Ryan Finkelstein, put out because um, he's starting to play positions other than shortstop. And he said he, he, it was a great point. And I don't know if it was like, you know, Fink's point originally or if it was somebody else's. Um, but he said, you know, we knew the moment that Ronnie Mauricio factored in the Mets' future plans was when he would start to move around from shortstop. Yep. When he was only playing shortstop, that's when you view him as trade chip because Francisco Lindor is there for the next decade. But when he starts to move around, when he starts to play the outfield, when he starts to play third, that's when you know that they're maybe looking for spots to get him in the lineup. They're starting to do that now with him in Syracuse, which is really cool.
1: He played almost exclusively third base in in the Dominican Winter League, and then you look at at what where he's played almost exclusively shortstop to your point in his entire professional career. Last three games second base yeah. so obviously they have jeff mcneil but they move mcneil around i think they just want to see hey can we play mauricio in a few different spots uh if, if he's able to do that that's just good to know i still don't know how he fits in i won't be Well, we'd have to do a whole segment figuring out the mets roster construction situation but it right. is a good point that if he's playing second base after showing the strides he's made it short uh this is obviously them am trying to see if there's other ways that the puzzle piece can fit if needed now you know god forbid if mcneil Orlando gets hurt. You got someone that can play either. And also you have a guy that if you bring him up down the stretch for the, the, the postseason or, you know, just to help bolster the bench, you know, that you can put him in multiple spots too. So yeah, it, it is good news on the Ronnie Mauricio front. And again, he's just 22.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, also curious how the Mets deal with his teammate in Syracuse right now, Mark Vientos and like Vientos, I, everybody knows, you know, like he's, he's a big league ready bat. 19 games so far, the guy's hitting 370 with six homers. He's got an 11.63 OPS. It's just a waiting game for Vientos at this point. Unfortunately, his spot is not at first with Pete Alonso. It's not at third with Beatty and, I mean, the the Beatty-Escobar platoon right now. Uh, but Mark Vientos is, is a Major League Baseball player, and, like, I think he should probably be a Major Leaguer on another team.
1: I think this is one of the number one trade bait guys. You know, Mauricio passes him with his defensive ability now um now nah, i think they're they're pretty similar bat wise i i like vientos's ability to get into his game power with the way he lifts the ball but you know, we're, he's gonna swing a miss he's gonna strike out like that you know that but he's a guy that's gonna hit a lot and deserves an opportunity elsewhere uh he's gonna hit all for a lot of power so i want to see him playing every day what's interesting is he's still getting a lot of reps at third and i think between first and third there's a lot of teams out there that that would happily take Vientos in a package for a reliever or somebody else that, you know, as as the Mets go to look to make trades at the deadline, they don't need to trade Beatty. They don't need to trade Alvarez. How They don't need to trade Mauricio. I think they could trade Vientos and a few other pieces and go get somebody. But Vientos simply is playing his way out of Syracuse, which is great. And I hope he keeps doing this. And I hope he kind of forces the Mets hand to either promote him, which there isn't really a spot, or trade him um which i could see them doing as they you know could probably use some bullpen help down the line i could see Avientos for a pretty good reliever happening pretty pretty early into the the deadline uh you know trade talk time um and and that's a good trade chip and i hope for mark's sake i think he'd be happy to get moved because at this point he has nothing left to prove in triple a
2: for sure I, and i like the way you worded that getting his way out of syracuse like one way or another he's getting out of syracuse new york um, and we know that's a place that, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to get moved out of Syracuse. Yeah, anymore.
1: that sounds good. I, I'm sure he's had enough of Syracuse. I will say one note too, already two home runs, 111 miles an hour this year mm-hmm. from Bienzo's. It's it's plus plus power.
2: Yes, big time. Um, This guy has like no prospect intrigue, but I know he's one of your favorites. Trey Cabbage in the Angels system cabbage was a Minnesota twins farmhand for a minute, for a minute. I, I met cabbage when he was in high a in 2021, he was hitting the crap out of the ball to open 22. And then he broke his wrist, right? Um, break...
1: Yeah, it was a nasty one, man. Yeah, it
2: was bad. Oh, thank but goodness. Like...
1: He's back. And he went to catch a ball foul tear or, or sorry, up the line, Gerard Encarnacion, which you know how big that dude is yeah. full speed into his arm compound fracture. It oh, was rough.
2: But uh, the, the good news is that didn't sap his power. He comes uh, back eighteen games, eleven extra base hits, hitting three eighty with an OPS flirting with twelve hundred. Trey Cabbage is at the king of the exit velo. You
1: say non prospect? Like technically he is a non prospect because he's twenty six. I I would I would take this guy. Uh, like I would I would trade for him. You know, in a lot of different circumstances, like this dude
2: is. Do a you big think Atlanta, guy. do you think Trey cabbage would start in left field for the Atlanta Braves tomorrow? No, his defense is the biggest problem. Um,
1: that's like he's first base really at this point, And that's the unfortunate part. Like he really, he's really bad in the outfield, which is crazy because he actually moves way better than you'd think. I posted a double of his and he's moving, but he's just not good in the outfield. This dude is the king of the exit velocity. And I think if if Jared Walsh has a setback or there's something up with Walsh, I believe that Trey Cabbage will play meaningful games for the LA Angels this year at first base. I really do. It depends on how, how Jared Walsh progresses, but I think he might even be a better option than Walsh. This dude has kind of figured it out. He's He's not walking as much as you'd like to see, but he's not whiffing. He's whiffing way less than we've ever seen Trey Cabbage whiff We always knew the power was off the charts. He's already hit a home run this year, 487 feet. I know he plays on the moon, but 487 feet. Last year, he hit a ball 121 miles an hour. 121. That would have been one of the highest in all of professional baseball. That's one of the highest in the StatCast era. He has 80 power, and he's starting to hit semi-consistently. I think he could be a better option than Jared Walsh, and we're seeing that this year. It is silly Silly power. He's already put up tons of 115s, 116s, 117s. His 90th percentile exit velocity is
2: 110 miles an hour. That's insane. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to like think about how much fun Angels games can be to watch. And, you know, like losing Ohapi sucks. Like, I, I loved watching Ohapi, especially with Neto in the lineup, too. Like these angels lineups that they were they were pumping out were genuinely intriguing, and I'm thinking about replacing whoever the hell's at first base with Trey Cabbage, and I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm pretty in on this.
1: Yep, and and I think you know you platoon with Urshela. Um, I, I think that could be really fun. He hits the crap out of the ball. I have a couple names, uh, and then you can, if you have a couple others, we can circle back too. Uh, but I wanted to mention before I forget. Good story alert. Heston Kerstad might be here, man. Like, he looks yeah. good. Top 100 good. Uh, Kerstad, 24. We know the story of myocarditis. Delayed start to his professional career, really. Um, did well in the Arizona Fall League. I was a little nervous because there's, you know, moving parts. There's a little There was a little bit more whiff at when he was dominating through the lower levels when he returned last year. Yeah. But now he seems to have synced those moves up well. His body looks really under control. Uh, there's definitely some swing and miss and still some volatility to his offensive profile, but he's hitting the crap out of the ball. The swing looks good and the strikeout rate's been kept in check so far. He's in double a, if there was major whiff issues, I think they'd start to make themselves, you know, apparent. He looks pretty darn good, man. And I, I think the swing looks very solid. Kerstad's a name to watch that I think could really kind of remind everybody. Oh yeah. Hey, I'm that that top five pick. I can still really swing it. And it, it seems like he's starting to show us that.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting about the Orioles situation is like they are fully hitting a backlog, but Kerstad is one of those guys that has enough talent to surpass the backlog. Like I think Kowser, whenever Kowser is truly ready, he's going to be a Baltimore Oriole. Like There's nothing blocking Kowser, but there's obviously something blocking Kyle Stowers. And that's why Kyle Stowers is in Norfolk and is a trade candidate. Kerstad, I think, is closer to Kowser than he is to Kyle Stowers. And I think yep. people forgot that.
1: Yes, exactly. Because if it all clicks for Kerstad, it's 35
2: homers. It's second overall pick. Like it's, yeah. it's
1: what you drafted. Correct. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. And, and I think the performance of Kerstad, I tweeted about uh, Stowers actually last night uh, yeah. who homered and looks great overall. Stowers got to be traded. You replied to me and said like the, Hey, I you know, don't you think he's a great option for the Braves. Yes, I do. Um, And, and when you have the, the depth organizationally like this, You can feel a little bit better about trading a Stowers because to your point, Kirstad might not be far behind. He might be in triple by, by the time we get to to the midway point of this season.
0: For sure.
2: Um, Who else you got? I got, I got a couple more.
1: I got one more. And I want you to tell me when it's too early to start cashing in the victory lap on Colt Keith, because not only is Colt Keith the best prospect in this tiger system, in my opinion, um, I think he might be one of the more exciting, you know, up and coming offensive prospects in baseball. Keith is hitting 356, 418, 576 through his 67 double-A plate appearances. Uh, has a big walk-off home run already. Uh, let me tell you what he's done over the last what is it? Holy crap! His last handful of games have been outrageous as he settled into Double A, but also I think he's hit safely in every single game this year. Over his last five games, 12 for 19, with two home runs and seven strikeouts. Uh, so seven strikeouts and 22 plate appearances, but 12 for 19 is insane. It's absolutely insane. Also has a pair of walks there too. Sitting the ball yeah. hard, sitting the ball a lot, and he's 21 in Double A. Uh
2: not eh, maybe a little too early right now. Not taking it yet. So, not taking it yet. When? If, if Colt Keith is doing this on May 10th, I'll let you cash in. Okay. Two weeks.
1: He's hit safely in every single game, except for one. Actually. Yeah. Except for one where he still reached base safely on a walk and drove in a run. Um, so this guy's been productive in every single game. Um, Keith with the Tigers, left-handed hitter, third-base defense is getting better. That's the one question. Uh, But, dude, he's got juice, 105-mile-per-hour, 90th percentile, making plenty of contact, not chasing. I am so excited about this dude. Uh, I've been picking up his cards in droves as well for, for transparency. But that's my last hitter I wanted to highlight.
2: Got you. Yeah. No, I a little too early to to cash in on Colt Keith right now, but I will hear it in mid May. I think give me, give me two more series. And if he does get, you know, a bump to triple in June, I think that'd be freaking awesome. That'd um, awesome. Evan Carter is a guy that I want to highlight 12 mm-hmm. games. He's hitting 380 with an 1125 OPS. Um, I don't know much about the injury that he sustained. So I, I have no idea if there was I don't an think official like diagnosis. I don't think it's bad, but
1: okay. I don't want to speculate. I'm pretty sure he's he should be fine. Gotcha. He got hit with a pitch up in the arm for those who you know may have missed that. Uh he came out of the game, I think shortly after. I don't think he immediately came out either. Uh I, I think he's fine.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at game logs. I mean, he played on the 20th. I think that's when he got hit. Yeah, he hasn't played since. Like, as long as there's not a serious IL stint. I mean, this guy was kicking. Ass in Double A at 20 years old.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, there's a reason why he's the number 11 prospect for just baseball, and I know we're not at that point in the top 100 list, but I assume that anyone who listens to this podcast by now just already went and looked at the whole list. Uh, Correct. There's a reason why he's there. It's high floor, high ceiling. Anytime I get a rare high floor, high ceiling center fielder, I am in. I think we're seeing both of which on display through through the start of the year. You talk about the numbers. How about the fact that he's walking more than he strikes out yeah. uh, only 9% swinging strike rate, which is elite. I mean, he's not even fouling balls off that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hitting the ball pretty hard. Uh, and I still think there's more power on the way um, approach is so great. Cool. bat to ball is great. More power on the way. What is there not to like about
2: Evan Carter? I don't know. And he looks like the best player on the field too. Like he's yeah. tall, but he's built. It, it, he just looks like a 24 year old that is actually 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it's,
1: it's, it's easy to fall in love with Evan Carter, by the way, his cards are going up big time. I'm, I'm seeing sure. people start to jump on the bandwagon there.
2: I'm sure, man. And like they could use Carter, you know, if he doesn't miss much time and, and, you know, he's really good. Like that could be one of those double to the bigs type guys. That's that their we center.
1: A hundred percent is the exact candidate that can make the leap. And a guy that isn't really blocked. They don't really have a, a true, true, true center fielder for the foreseeable future.
2: Are we gonna say it? This year's Michael Harris could be Kevin <laughs> Carter. If he's
1: if he's not as hurt as we think and you know shows out for another month, the Rangers are another team that is that aggressive that wants to win now. I wouldn't surprise me whatsoever.
2: Didn't they do the double to the bigs jump for Ezekiel Durant? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And this is All a right. much
1: more talented player than Ezekiel, who I love. I love Durant. I still think he's a good player. He's actually after a pretty good start this year, but definitely a better option.
2: Anyone yeah. else? Yes. Um, one more. And the, well, so one guy on his own and then two others combined. I'll save that discussion for the end. Jackson Holiday just got the bump to high A Aberdeen, 13 games in Delmarva at the low A level, sitting 392, nine extra base hits, 14 walks, 12 Ks, a 1200 OPS. Holiday flat out earned that promotion in two and a half weeks. Yeah, I got a question for you. So he was in what's it called?
1: It Del Martha. Is that where he was? Del Marva. Del Marva. Is is that place a bandbox?
2: I don't think so. Like I, I think he, I don't want to
1: take anything away from Jackson, but those two home runs were, were not backside. Home. I think they happened in Fredericksburg. Did they happen in Fredericksburg? Is that a bandbox? I don't think so. <laughs> and like. Ninety-five off the bat, three hundred fifty feet. That one got out, yeah. uh, and then ninety-six off the bat, 300, 347 feet. That guy big homers. I, that's a but. I'm not going to not be an asshole for a sec. <laughs> Two really good swings. Backside to your point. He it, people asked why I had Holiday ahead of Drew Jones. Really was just the swing, the swing. Yeah. um, and that was more of a question last year. Uh, like right after the draft it's simply the swing tools wise Jones might have him beat although jo- Holidays got good tools yeah. but swing wise this guy's swing is so advanced his approach is so advanced he doesn't chase he makes tons of contact it's silky smooth he's got a little bit of this front side leak which I think is why you know we see the exit velocity is a little bit down the other way but he's still the bat lives in the zone for so long. He generates so much bat speed that even when it drags a little bit, he's able to generate that kind of 350-foot carry the other way. He's just a really, really talented hitter, and the rest of the game is going to continue to come together. Uh, Holiday's a perfect candidate to fly through the minors quickly with his advanced approach and his field of hit. Um, Got to get the ball in the air a bit more. Got to iron out the lower half. Those are little nitpicky things that will help him tap into more power. But this guy was the 1-1 one, one pick and looks like the 1-1 one, one pick in the early going as a 19-year-old.
2: Andy's and got to look older man he still looks 15 years old it's mm-hmm. crazy like he puts on these uniforms and it feels like they're I it feels like you know classes on a field trip and they pick a lucky kid to put the uniform on
1: yeah he looks like he's playing for a scout team um it's, it's yes. exactly what it looks like so yeah no doubt but that's gonna happen and as that happens he's probably going to fill out physically too and and you know be a little bit more imposing so
2: Uh, for sure last one is is the Dodgers situation and and the Dodgers situation we've talked about a little bit on the just baseball show mookie betts has played some shortstop um where do they go at shortstop like luke williams might play some short for them right now uh yorbit vivas has never played short pretty much in his professional career but in 15 games in double-a vivas is hitting 400 a guy that he's always been in lockstep with when it comes to prospect rankings within the Dodger organization is Leonard. a Leonard. And those two have been kind of together level by level. And Leonard I- in double is playing shortstop. And in 13 games, he's hitting a buck 20 with no extra base hits. Yeah. So I guess my question to you, like it's not, Hey, is Leonard going to bounce back or is Vivas this good? Because I both think there's somewhere in between, but I do think that Vivas has far surpassed Eddie's Leonard at this point. Oh, yeah. Vivas plays second and third. He almost splits his time evenly between second and third. I think he's played a bit more second this year. Do you just throw him at shortstop, see if it works?
1: I don't think so. I think it would be a disaster. I, but I really like do.
2: you've got you've got a bunch of true second baseman, man, like Michael Bush, true second base, Vivas, true second base. It's tough. it sucks because Vivas is like
1: really putting it together offensively. I had a two home run game yesterday. Um, I think now four straight multi hit games. He is his arm has always been a little too short for 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 shortstop and and, and his range is just not great. I uh, did the the dive when he brought up the topic yesterday and just the range doesn't look great. To me, he looks like a bat first, second baseman who you can also play at third. I, I don't know if that's the answer. And Leonard isn't even a great defender to begin with and is not hitting well at all. That's not an answer. It's interesting how a team, an organization that always has this, this embarrassment of riches doesn't really have a shortstop option anywhere near Vivas looks great. If it ain't broke, don't fix it with him. Don't let a big league issue uh, trickle down and impact the development of a guy that you'd be throwing a Hail Mary, I think, to, to get anything from him at shortstop um, at the big league level while hitting. They've got nobody to your point. I'm glad you highlighted it. Cause like, I, I think Leonard is falling quickly from prospect relevancy. Uh, Vivas is solidifying himself as like that second base bat first guy they don't really have anybody that they can really throw into the fire there. It's a tough spot to be. I feel like they've got to make a move. Uh, and I'm very interested to see what that move may be, or if they just keep Mookie at short, but I, do you want to risk hurting your arguably best asset there by playing him a ton at a position that he's not used to, he's good at, but you know, that's more restraint on your arm, more strain
2: on other muscles. Like, I think that's a little crazy. They're in a weird spot. Yeah, the, the Dodgers knew something that I didn't. There was a guy that I really liked in their system, 23 years old from Venezuela, Lionel Valera. Valera was a guy that was kind of climbing, like spent 19 in low A, 2021 20, in high A, 22. For the most part, he was in double and he was an 840 OPS guy in double. They non tendered him, which was super weird. Like he wasn't even 40 man eligible, I don't think, and they non tendered him. So, the, the Nats signed him as a minor league free agent here through 13 games. He's hitting 118. So they knew something about Valera that like I didn't. I thought Valera could be the, you know, the fireman shortstop. But now it's Luke Williams. And, and I don't know. I think that a minor league deal or I guess like a, a major league minimum deal for Jose Iglesias makes a lot of sense for the Dodgers at this point. Yeah. Um I I just needed to ask you, like, is Vivas worth it? Because they have no shortstop prospect right now. It
1: it sounds backwards, but almost how good Vivas looks. And remember, it's kind of funny how they they traded, um, you know, maybe the only other upper minors prospect. Amaya Amaya can play shortstop, but they did that because they got somebody that's a proven big league shortstop, which made sense. They didn't move Vivas because Vivas is the better prospect. But I wonder if you could do it over again, if they would have, Maybe traded somebody else because they now need another shortstop. And I don't think they they figured that, you know, Rojas would get hurt. I think they had to factor that in though. Like it's surprising to me because I know that they'd rather clutch on to Vivas, the better prospect who was off to an unbelievable offensive start and is just a really good safe bat. But now you traded your only other upper minor shortstop in Amaya, and and now their their hands are tied. Ultimately, it was the best use of of their assets protecting the better player in vivas but here they are and they're in a tough spot so it should be fun to see how they get out of it because they're the dodgers and they always do for sure last thing to wrap up on is uh 2023 bowman baseball right i i am so excited about 2023 bowman baseball and i, I know a lot of our listeners are very big into collectibles prospecting cards all that stuff So we figured we'll do a quick segment kind of highlighting. Uh, I put out an article at JustBaseball.com where you can see kind of by tier some of the best prospects in this 2023 Bowman Baseball. Uh, We're going to be breaking a lot of it over at Just Breaks. That's our box breaking arm. We're really excited about that. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can also follow on Twitter. It'll be linked below at Just underscore Breaks, where we will be doing breaks every single week i'll be on there doing prospects q a's just talking shop i will almost always have a spot in the break because i'm addicted uh yeah. but you know come hang out with us we'll rip cards chase autographs and have some fun so be sure to follow just breaks on twitter so you can be you know up to date on when we have breaks and buy spots before they sell out it's a lot of fun 2023 bowman baseball is going to be something that i spend a gross amount on um just i just know i am because they've got some really exciting prospects kind of ranging from all over and, and that's what i really like about it is you've got the Hoswaita Pala type uh that you know is is that 17 year old Dodgers prospect that everyone might might get really excited about which they should he's a top 100 prospect under baseball for good reason and a tier 1 guy in this article but also you've got like a Matt Mervis who is also a tier 1 prospect in this article because i think he's going to be the starting first baseman for the Cubs in the next month or so yeah and could be a middle-of-the-order masher. Just the fact that you have those two types of guys is really fun, Uh, but I kind of want to just fly through the Tier 1 players, uh, then a little bit of Tier 2, and then maybe mention one or two Tier 3. I started us off with a couple of the Tier 1 guys, and those might not even be the highest upside guys with first autographs in this checklist. Who you like him? Dude, Junior Kaminaro. Mm -hmm. who's number 89 on our top 100 list, Uh, third baseman with the Rays, monster, monster power, Uh, already swinging it outrageously well uh, in low A, like outrageously well in low A to start the season. And Excuse me, high A, already swinging it really well in high A. Potential candidates get promoted to double A. He's just 19 years old, big offensive upside. Then you got Spencer Jones, who I've made it very clear how I feel about Yankees first-round pick Spencer Jones. And I can get his first auto in this. I think that might be one of the biggest chases in this whole hobby. Number 34 prospect for us are just baseball, six, seven center fielder with monster power who can stay in center as a Yankees prospect. I, we have him ranked up as high as anybody. Like, I think he's a better prospect than Drew Jones. Everyone's going to be chasing Drew Jones. I'd rather have Spencer Jones. I think people are going to come around to that too. He's going to be a popular chase in this product.
2: Now, can I ask you who you would rather have, Drew Jones or Cam Collier? When you look at you know the high school/slash junior college guys, right? Like Collier and Jones, same age, probably same trajectory. Jones is struggling so far. Collier is thriving so far. Um, I I personally lean Cam Collier because I think, like, from what you've told me about the collectibles market, like I immediately saw a, a pitcher that we're going to talk about in tier two that I'm like, oh, like, how is that guy not a tier one? And you're like, hey, pitchers, like you've explained to me that pitcher cards are so tough. Look at um, Daniel Espino. Exactly. Look at Espino. Um, but, you know, wh- when I saw that that Collier was on the same list as Drew Jones, I'm thinking, all right, if the bat is what's sexiest in the collectibles market, you know, I I think that Cam Collier is going to be a better hitter than Drew Jones will.
1: I do, too. And, and then the thing is, is the ceiling of Drew Jones is, you know, 30 home run. Oh, It's his dad. The ceiling is his dad.
2: Yeah. That's so, so, so far away.
1: The swing looks, he needs a swing change. Um, Let's be honest there. And I'm telling you now, Drew Jones will be the biggest, I think, the biggest chase in this product. If I pull a Drew Jones, I'm selling it. I'm yeah. not buying Drew Diamondback spots in breaks because they're going to be priced outrageously for Drew Jones. And to your point, Cam Collier has, I think, more offensive or at least close to the same offensive upside, maybe, maybe slightly more. Yes, he's not going to be as dynamic. He's a third baseman, but a left-handed hitting power hitting third baseman in great American ballpark that's also 17, now 18 years old, uh, special, special talent. Like I'm gonna, I'd rather have. I think you'll be able to get two cam colliers for one drew Jones. And I'd rather have two cam colliers to that point to me, they're both tier one prospects uh, and, and both extremely talented, but Jones is, is going to struggle. And I don't think the market's ever going to be higher than it is right. When the product comes out. And I think it's going to let out some steam when people see him struggle until he makes that swing change. So Spencer Jones is my number one chase in here. Junior Caminero is up there as well because of his offensive talent, his youth and the upside. Cam Collier right there, Josue de Paula as well, and then two other tier one guys that we have in this article. Of course, Matt Mervis, as we mentioned, and then Edouard Julien. I think some people have him as a tier two guy. I put him in tier one because he is a power hitter who's already in the big leagues. And I know that the big thing in Bowman is speculation, whatever. You're praying that a lot of these guys end up like Edouard Julien, and I think Julien still has enough upside where if it all clicks for him at the big league level, he's an everyday bat that's hitting 25-plus homers and getting on base at a high, high, high clip and is an all-star. So for me, that's a tier one guy in Edouard Julien to get his first Bowman auto here.
2: That's the thing. Like, what is the card price of an all-star? And that's what Julien can be. Julien can be an all-star. And, you know, if we've learned anything like, hey, you know, defensive runs saved don't always result in all-star appearances. Um, And I think that Julien is going to do what makes – him sexiest for an all star candidacy. And, you know, when we look at a multiple time all star with a really high OBP and in, in homers, you know, we could be talking about Edouard Julien as a guy that we wish we bought sooner. Um, and you're, you're exactly right. Like you have the opportunity to get in on the ground floor. It's an elevated ground because he's already in the bigs, but rare. get in on the ground floor because he is. You know, sending his first auto out there, and he's in the big leagues.
1: It's super rare to have that happen, in Mervis, it's going to be very similar as well. And yeah, it's, you don't have the suspense, but I think they might almost be overlooked for that reason. And I think these are two right. guys that
2: could be middle of the order mashers in the major leagues. A legitimate chance
1: at that. I'm picking up those cards. That's
2: here and one that's the and that's the thing. Like the 19 year olds that you buy, you're you're crossing your fingers every time they have minor league at bats, hoping that they get to the major leagues. Correct. Correct. For
1: my pitching Kings out there that love to collect pitchers. I know there's some of you out there. Top of tier two is Kyle Harrison, number 33 prospect in baseball left handed pitching prospect giants off to a slow start this year, but this is a dude that has frontline stuff. So if you, if, if you want the ACE of the giants, potentially for rolling the dice here on the upside, that's what he can be. I think he's more of a middle rotation lefty because of the command challenges. But when you got an upper nineties fastball and a nasty, pair of both a breaking ball and a changeup. Harrison could be a frontline dude. I'm going to fly through these. You can add whoever, whatever else you want. Alex Ramirez is probably regarded by many as a tier one guy, Mets outfield prospect. It's his first autograph, but it won't have the first on it because he's at his first Bowman Chrome. Um, Ramirez just missed our top 100 list. He's far off and it's, it doesn't have the first designation. So that kind of puts him in tier two. Usually it takes a little bit more time for for people to come around to those kind of autograph prices because it doesn't have the fancy first up at the top. We're seeing that happen with Jackson Merrill right now happened with Brendan Davis. Ramirez could be really good, but to me he's still kind of far off. And um, I don't think has as much upside as some of the guys like hostway de Paula that we mentioned in tier one, Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford, crazy speed, limited power. Uh, we'll see what, what it all looks like, but obviously that's a pretty dynamic player that if I pull, I'm excited to hold on to and just see what, what can happen. He's six, three plus plus runner. Very reminiscent of his father, if he can tap into some power. The good old Jacob Berry, top six pick, number six pick. But I don't really want a first base slash DH bat first guy. That said, if he hits a lot, the way that the Marlins drafted him to hit, and many thought he would, that's still a solid card to collect. Roman Anthony, very intriguing guy, two and a half million dollar high school signee for the Red Sox. Big upside, but big risk. Same story with Carlos Jorge of the Reds. Big upside bat first, second baseman, some risk, maybe not as much risk, but putting up great numbers in low a as a 19 year old. And then a pitcher, Ben Brown. We talked about him already. That's a card I would not mind scooping up because, you know,
2: it'll be cheap. The three names that jump out to me in that in that grouping are the two pitchers, Harrison and Ben Brown, uh, and then Justin Crawford. I, I like Justin Crawford a lot. Like, like the video that I watched ahead of the draft and, you know, like immediately after the draft on Justin Crawford, I was like, There's a lot of Carl in Justin. And and I think that if you could get in on Carl Crawford on the ground floor, like you would do it right. Hindsight 2020. You're looking at a guy that stole, I want to say, 40 or 50 bags at a given point in his career. And, you know, that could be Crawford. Like he's not going to hit for much power, like you were saying, but he's
1: six three, one seventy five. maybe add some muscle that there could be some pot. That's a dynamic player. I I would like to have his cards.
2: Yeah, man, I'm thinking about a great center fielder that's like near the top of the league in stolen bases. If all goes according to plan, that that yep. could pump a few out. So I'm I'm in on that. And it looks yeah. like he'll be on a team with a lot of vets that are you know on 300 million dollar deals. Um, I I kind of like the idea of a young Justin Crawford being a part of postseason baseball, a la Jeremy Pena, where like the the price skyrockets if he's good in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I I am totally with you. And then we got a few other. Names to fly through in tier three, Kumar Rocker. Uh, you know, of course, that's he's got the name value. If he throws well, people will be interested. Von Brown dominated younger guys, uh, in terms of of the level of play uh between low A and high A. But you hit 23 home runs and still 44 bags. I'm I'm in. And you know, I'm you got my attention in that giant org. Xavier Isaac, raised first rounder. Crazy, crazy offensive potential, but we haven't seen much, and he's a first baseman. That's 6'3", 240. Uh, I love Ronnie Simon. You know that. So, Ronnie Simon, if I if I pull his auto, I'm holding it. Just because yeah. Ronnie Simon, dynamic switch inning, shortstop, uh, second base type in the Rays org. Brock Jones, name value, big upside, huge risk. Manuel Beltre and Lazaro Montes, two Mariners IFA guys who are interesting with some upside as well. Uh, and then there's a few others to check out, but go look at the article, JustBaseball.com. Um, and also, be sure to you know, go check out Just Breaks on Twitter, Just underscore Breaks. Follow us there so you can keep up with all of our releases and chase some of these cards with us. Let us know if you pull any of these bad boys.
2: Real quick question about Kumar Rocker. Do you think he will be overpriced because of the name recognition?
1: Yes and no. Like I think he'll still be cheap, but I think anything over... $25, $30 for his autograph is overpriced. Gotcha. Because he's uh, you're hoping a middle of the rotation starter, big and really good turns. so far. He does look good so far in high A. He does look good so far. He did strike out eight in his last outing. Uh, probably could have talked about him in the pitcher roundup as well. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back to the top 100 rundown in the next episode, uh, and continue to fly through the rest of that list and then keep you briefed on minor league baseball the rest of the year as well as a couple player interviews to look forward to as we get through the top 100 and shift our focus towards just consistent season content as always thank you for listening look forward to talking prospects and top 100 prospects with you tomorrow.